G'day and welcome to The Grass is Greener. My name is Tim Henry. I'm a financial advisor in Melbourne. And every week, my guests and I dissect your everyday challenges. We'll get you clearer on your goals and give you financial tips to make it happen. If this is your first time tuning in to The Grass is Greener, make sure you subscribe to the show on your platform of choice so you'll automatically receive each episode as soon as it's released. If you're looking for a community of like-minded people who are going on a journey similar to you, then I invite you to join the Grass is Greener Facebook group where you can connect, share and learn from other people just like you. Hello, welcome back. Great to have you along for another episode. In keeping with what we chatted about last week, we chatted about asset allocations and economic seasons. The intention behind that was there's so much going on in the world right now, a bit of uncertainty, what should we do, what shouldn't we do. We want to hone in on a few things that we know we can do and hence looking at your asset allocation in your super or in your investment and making a deliberate decision is something you can do. We're going to continue that this week and we're going to talk about estate planning. Uh, Now, estate planning is really around your wills and your powers of attorney. We'll go into a bit more detail about what that is. 75% of Australians do not have a valid estate plan or a valid will. So which group are you in? Are you in the 25% that's got it sorted and has done the work on that? Or if you're in the 75%, there must be a reason why. And what we've found through our time of, of helping people with estate planning, there's a few barriers to why they haven't got it done. It's not cost, not necessarily cost. Some of it is just who to choose. You know, the number one barrier we see is, well, we know we need to choose executors. We know we need to choose people who represent us as a power of attorney. We know we need to choose a guardian for our kids and we're just not sure who to choose. So want to try and attack some of that today. The other one is where do I go to get it done? Someone knows a solicitor or someone got it done somewhere but they weren't that good or they were expensive or someone's got a sister that can help them get it done. There's, we've heard all sorts of um, um options there and it's just about finding someone that you can talk to uh, and really articulate what your wishes are and I think some of this is about understanding what your wishes really would be. So let's just start with this just going to be a short burst on this so stick with it it's an important um, component to have in your life because I will talk about some of the consequences of not having it sorted. What is an estate plan? Now, when I mention the word estate plan, a lot of people think just about a will. Um, It is so much more than having a will. An estate plan really is your chance to tell your life story and leave a lasting legacy for the people and causes you care about. What does that mean? Well, particularly younger people who've got kids, they might think, oh, look, I don't want to think about that. Uh, my, My kids really need me. Fair enough. Who would want to think about such a horrible thought? But if that 
did eventuate, and if that for some tragic reason that occurred, wouldn't you want to know that you'd left a legacy, you've, you've left a structure behind that uh, you would be happy with to leave your kids or your family? So a custom estate plan is usually comprised of a combination of documents. The first one is a will. And we all sort of understand what a will is. It is a legal document which applies after you have died. So it doesn't apply before that moment uh, in time. And in the simplest terms, this document nominates who will manage your finances and where some of your assets would go and who would look after any minor children. That is children under the age of 18. So again, when we go back to that, it's your chance to tell your story you're getting to make these decisions. Um, one of the biggest ones is about that guardianship of the minor children. If it's, if it's left unwritten and you haven't made a specific nomination in your will, that's up to your whole family to sit around a kitchen table and try and work that out. Uh, so that's a will. That's a basic description of a will. We'll go into some of the elements of the, the people that you need to choose to act within your will um, further into this. But the next document is an enduring power of attorney for financial matters. Financial being the critical thing there. There's two powers of attorney, one for financial and one for medical and lifestyle. So on this financial matters, it's a legal document. It applies while you're still alive. So whereas the will's about death, powers of attorney are when you're still alive and you can't make a decision for yourself. Um, it stops applying when you die. But this document for financial matters, it allows you to nominate someone who can manage your finances on your behalf if you're unable to for some reason. On, for on the medical matters, you have a separate power of attorney for medical matters and that allows uh, you to nominate someone who can make medical and lifestyle decisions for you if you lose capacity to make them for yourself. So they're, they're the three very important documents, will, powers of attorney, financial, powers of attorney, medical and lifestyle. There's also nominations, various nominations that you need to make with your superannuation. We, You probably have made those nominations before. You need to update them every few years and nominations for life insurance if you've got them. And then one of the final documents in an estate plan is what's called a letter of wishes. And this is where we get into that telling the story. It, and we've done a, a podcast episode on this with Lucy Percy, which was one of our most popular episodes. It is a letter of wishes, a morally binding document so it's not legally binding, it's morally binding. It's an instruction manual, if you like, for whoever's having to implement your will. It allows you to leave guidance to your financial controllers and your family about you, what you wanted to happen after you died using your own words. It's not legally enforceable, but can be really valuable in providing the roadmap to tidying up your affairs and letting your loved ones understand your intentions. Really important in any circumstance, but I really always gravitate to if, if you had young kids, wouldn't you? I'd love to leave behind the, the thought process I had or what the life I wanted for them and hopefully for my family to be able to carry that out. 
So the next component I just wanted to chat about, because I, I, I hear this a lot, we're not sure who to choose um, to act for us. So they're, they're the documents. Uh, it's not, the documents aren't really hard to have drawn up. Um, you don't have to, lots of people think that with a will, for example, you've got to list all your assets and say who's going to get them. That is not the case. It is simply saying, look, I want to leave X percent of my wealth, my total pot to these people. Now, if it's your family, if it's your husband and wife, you're going to be leaving it 100% to, to your husband or your wife. Um, if you're single and you've got kids, you might be leaving it equally to each of the kids um, and so on. So you, you're not actually having to specify that they get this and they get that. It's really just on a percentage basis of your asset pool. The duties of an executor. So a will has an executor. You've got to nominate an executor. Now, in a couple's situation, it's likely that you'd be each other's executor as your first person. You would normally nominate a couple of backup executors for if for some reason that person can't act. Probably thinking about like if you're both in an accident and one of you has passed away and the other one is still not well, you're going to need someone else to act as an executor or someone might be too under duress to, to carry it out. So choosing the best executor is really critical. Um, so let's understand the role and responsibilities of an executor uh, before choosing who that would be. I'm going to just list some of the things that an executor does. Locating the original will, got to have the original will. So where is that? Um, normally in storage somewhere. Uh, they may have to help arrange the funeral. They might have to protect and secure assets. They might have to contact beneficiaries within the will. They might have to apply for probate with the relevant state authorities. They might have to notify relevant companies of your death. They might have to locate some assets. They might have to convert assets into cash if it's got to be divided. Um, if it's a business, they might have to help with managing those interests, um, paying out liabilities. Uh, might be a personal tax return that needs to be done. Um, so if in the instance that someone wanted to challenge the will, the executor is also going to maybe have to defend the will and, and manage that. So I think you can see it's a pretty important role just want to give you some characteristics of how to choose an executor. So the best attribute, key attributes for an executor is someone, the person you've chosen, you really probably should choose someone that takes care of their own life ad admin really well. If they can't deal with life admin, you can just from that list there, you can tell there's a lot of admin involved. They've got to be able to do that. Want them to be responsible and honest, clearly, Emotionally intelligent would make difficult situation better, not worse. That's a really good point. Um, I think got the ability to understand the you know what's going on in the will with the help of legal and financial professionals, probably to help them. Uh, I think you really want to be able to trust someone that's going to make good decisions on behalf of your kids if they're under eighteen. Um, probably that would reach out and get advice from the relevant professionals if needed. So that gives you a bit of an idea of what um, you, you'd be looking for in an executor. 
Now with powers of attorney, so that, that deals with the component of death. Um, let's just look at these are the power of attorney is in the instance when you're alive, as we talked about, there's medical and there's financial powers of attorney. Who would we choose? Now, generally with financial power of attorney, um, probably would lean to choosing the same person who a uh, similar type of attribute as an executor. Uh, they're going to make financial decisions on your behalf. You really want them to be able to deal with that admin. Um, but with an enduring power of attorney, what either of that does, it gives the, um, the, the attorney the power to step into um, your shoes and make decisions on your behalf. It only operates while you're alive, not after you pass away. Um, and it can start at different times and you can stipulate what conditions trigger it to start. Um, it endures beyond the time that the principal loses capacity. Um, and what is in, included, you've obviously got the financial and personal matters. Um, it's contained in the one document in Victoria, but can also be separated or excluded. And it is different in different states. Now, I just want to chat about um, these, you know, what can an attorney do? Let's just look at what an attorney can do. An attorney obviously can make decisions on your behalf. It can decide and do anything that you could have chosen to do. So you're always, they're always going to be bound by the law. Um, they can't do things to break the law just because they're the attorney. They can only do things that um, you would would be able to do for yourself, but you can't at that time. So with a financial power of attorney, the types of matters that they might take care of, paying bills and expenses um, whilst you're unable to do so, you know, carrying out transactions if needed, managing property if needed, including rental or sale, um, taking out insurance at some stage, liaising with Centrelink or the ATO on your behalf, um, engaging professionals, really managing your money to support your defendant, your de dependents if needed. Uh, with, the, with the medical side of things, what could an attorney do? Well, it could decide where and with whom you would live. Um, if you're unable to, this is in the circumstance that you can't make those decisions for yourself. Instances like dementia or you're just deemed to have lost capacity. You could help put in place support services such as shopping and cleaning, organising personal care appointments and that type of thing. Day-to-day um, -day management decisions such as diet and dress, that type of thing. Um the types of things that an attorney cannot do on your behalf, uh, you can't vote on someone's behalf, you can't make decisions about the care of your children, I can't make or revoke a will, I can't make or revoke the attorney in itself. Um, so they can't do those types of things. Um, I just want to uh, chat briefly about just some of the risks, if you like, of not having an attorney. Um, it's quite an interesting thing because um, we've had, we've seen this before. 
uh, where if you don't have a power of attorney in place and you do lose capacity, the, the instances where we've seen this happen is where one party had dementia, was, was diagnosed with dementia, and from that point, uh, they were not able to make any documentation for themselves. They're not actually in a medically fit state to make their own attorney documents. So that means that um, there is no power of attorney in place. And even though that person was married, um, they could not, um, they were not the main person that was going to be running um, that person's uh, lifestyle decisions and their financial decisions. That went, that in Victoria, that's taken over by VCAT. And in that case, uh, the person's wife had to manage that situation through VCAT. So they had a bureaucrat approving, uh, she was having to get that approved by VCAT every time she wanted to do something that which related to their joint finances, which was really, really tough on her at a time that her husband had um, dementia. So n- not ideal at all. Now, what I've been reading from there are some documents that um, we have on our website at Aspire Planning. Uh, it's on the page that relates to estate planning. We've got some downloadable um, resources that are absolutely fantastic uh, that step out all of this uh, for you. And so I encourage you, if you have found this of some interest and, and you're really wanting to get your estate plan sorted, it's a great first place to go to. Download those documents and actually understand you know, what documents are included in an estate plan, what are the duties of an executor and how do you choose the right one and choosing a power of attorney and understanding the role they play. The other thing that we have on the website there is um, three fantastic podcasts, um, the Letter of Wishes podcast from Lucy Percy, the Investment Bonds uh, as an estate planning tool podcast from Laura Salisbury and The Power of Testamentary Trust with Tara Lukey. Three really interesting podcasts as well. We do offer at Aspire Planning an estate planning um, service. It's really easy to book an appointment uh, for a couple. It is under $2,000 to get the entire thing um, sorted and it can all be done online. Uh, we've got all the tools to help you make those decisions. We'll talk you through the decisions. And then we've got online solicitors that we use and we all have the meetings together to get that done. So in terms of the barriers to getting this done, not know, knowing who to choose, there's resources to help with that. Where do I go? Here's a place you can go. And how much will it cost? It's all set out in our free guide that you can download on the site. So the, that is at aspireplanning.com.au and there's an estate planning page there. I'll put the link on the show notes for this episode and either way, whether it's with Aspire Planning or elsewhere, I really encourage you to take those steps, make these decisions together while you're fit and able and make sure that your family's 
protected in the way that you would want them protected because there would just be no worse feeling to, than to know that that wasn't taken care of and they're left vulnerable at some stage. If you're looking for a community of like-minded people who are going on a journey similar to you, then I invite you to join the Grass is Greener Facebook group where you'll connect, share and learn from other people just like you. The information in this podcast is of a general nature and does not take into account your own financial objectives, circumstances and needs. You should consider your own personal situation and requirements before making any decision. If you have any concerns or questions, please contact me. That's the end of another show. Remember, the grass isn't greener on the other side. It's greener where you water it. See you later.